Well, happy Ascension Sunday, everyone. Actually, Ascension, uh, the Ascension that we remember of Jesus, the passage that Rachel just read of Jesus ascending into heaven, that day was actually Thursday. So I'm sure by this point you're super sick of like people saying happy Ascension Day to you and probably very tired of all the Ascension lights and chocolate bunnies and all of that. Ascension Day is something we usually skim right by, right? We don't spend a lot of attention or time on it typically. Barbara Brown Brown Taylor says, it kind of feels like the day that we were left behind. So we've got the resurrection, and then 40 days later, we have the ascension, and then 10 days later, we have Pentecost. And this this event, this Ascension Day, uh, often we think of it as just like the day Jesus left, the day Jesus left this earth and left us behind, We often think of it it as, um, you know, kind of like Jesus being lifted off into outer space, going and being in heaven, and and he's gone from this earth. He's like hanging out with God in heaven until that day when he comes back. But really the ascension is not about the absence of Christ. It's about the ascendancy of Christ. The ascendancy to the right hand of the Father that now in the ascension that when Jesus was ascended into heaven, he is ascended to the right hand of the Father. He is now ruling a kingdom. We call that kingdom the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. It's a, it's a kingdom that we can now live in anytime, anywhere, all people, everywhere. So the ascension of, ascension of Christ is really about, it's about the rise, it's about the promotion, it's, it's about the elevation of Christ to this place of a position of authority in heaven and on earth. So the ascension of Christ does not lead to the absence of Christ, like now he's gone. The ascension does not lead to the absence of Christ. It actually leads to the presence of Christ everywhere. That is what we are remembering on this day. This is why the risen Jesus can say these words, Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Because there is now no place where Christ is not. There is no domain over which Jesus is not Lord. So ascension, the ascension of Christ doesn't lead to the absence of Christ. It leads to his presence everywhere. Another way that we could maybe say this is to say this. Eternity is now in session. A man by the name of Dallas Willard said that phrase, eternity is now in session. And I kind of love that for this day. I think it's a good way to think about the ascension that eternity is now in session, that Jesus has ascended and is ruler of a kingdom, and that that kingdom extends to everyone, everywhere, and we are invited to live there. Eternity is now in session. So usually, though, if you think about eternity, eternity is now in session. When we think about eternity, usually we don't think about the here and now. Usually when we think about eternity or when we think about eternal life, we think to ourselves that that is something that begins after I die. That's when eternal life begins. But that is actually not how Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God. It is not how Jesus spoke about the kingdom, about eternity. His main message was the kingdom is now here. The kingdom has arrived. 
Like the good news is that eternal life is not something you gain after you die or you enter after you die. Eternal life is actually something you begin living in now and then. Death cannot interrupt it. That we begin living in eternal life. Eternity is now in session. We begin living there now and then death cannot interrupt that life. So Dallas Willard, the same guy who said that phrase, eternity is now in session, he actually died of pancreatic cancer. So he was diagnosed like less than a year later, he died of pancreatic cancer. And um, during that time, he was speaking with a friend. And he said this thing to his friend that I read this week for the first time. I was like, oh, that's such an interesting thought. He said to his friend, when I die... I wonder if it's going to take me a little while to realize that I have died. See, for Dallas Willard, there was this practice, there was this, this belief, like eternity is it's in session, and I can live there. And, and he had made it his practice to orient his days towards living in the presence of God, living eternal life here and now, not someday when I die. So it was just sort of natural for him to think like, huh, I wonder when I die, well, it's going to take me a little while to realize that I have died because it was his regular practice to live there. And when things got in the way of his living in the presence of God, he, it was his practice to uproot those things, to consider how to get those things out of the way so that he might live in eternal life. So just kind of natural to think like, huh, when I die... It's going to take me a little while to realize that I have. In the ascension, Jesus is not moving towards absence. He's moving towards never-ending presence. And so for the rest of this time this morning together, I want us to talk about the presence of God. We actually talk about the presence of God quite a bit around here at Platt Park. We talk about the presence of God. Um, and in thinking about it this week, I have to admit, sometimes when I hear myself talking about the presence of God, um, sometimes when we're singing about the presence of God, sometimes how I hear us talk about the presence of God, sometimes I think like, mm, I'm not sure that's quite it. Like, is that just a little incomplete or, or maybe even a little bit un, unfaithful to the way that Jesus would describe it or the scriptures would, would teach us about it? So I want to talk just in these remo remaining moments about three ways that I think sometimes we and me <laughs> talk about the presence of God and then just kind of parse it out like, tweak, make sure we're not forgetting. So first of all, uh, this. We often talk about God's presence as if it's something that comes and goes depending on how intensely we want it. As if God's presence is something that I make happen, that I trigger by my wanting it so desperately, by pursuing him intensely enough. Now, there is actually a reason that we speak this way, right? Like you, you can think back in, in, the, in the Hebrew scriptures in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is like, you know, when you seek me and you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Or we read in the Psalms like, you know, we're, we're, we're seeking after God like, like water in a parched dry land. So there's a basis for why we, we think this way, right? As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after you, God, but 
when we talk about the presence of God and we forget like the basic uh, reality that undergirds it, that contextualizes it, that makes it, then, then the way that we talk about the presence of God can actually become unfaithful. And here's what I mean. The truth that undergirds this, the reality is that I can only find God because God is already finding me. I can only seek God because God is already seeking me and I am already found in him. I can only go and look for him because he's already, I'm already found in him. Like he is nearer to me than I am near to myself. So when we talk about the presence of God and we're talking about God's presence as if it's something that comes and goes depending on the intensive intensity of my desire, let's not forget that even my desire flows from the fact he's already holding me. He's already drawing me. He's already wooing me. He's already there. He's already present. I can only call on him because he's already called on me. Does that make sense? So when we talk about seeking God's presence, let's just remember it arises out of that context of our entire lives. Our entire lives being already held by God. Did we just lose sound? No? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. (laughs) So my breath, right, is already given to me by God. And we did just sing about that. It's already given to me. Even when I am distracted by material things and I'm not living in an awareness of the presence of God, even when I am overcome with fear, I'm already living in the presence of God. In other words, I'm always sustained and held by God. He's already there. He's already holding us. It's it's almost like he's there by the bedside and he's hoping I will wake up out of the coma and realize like he's been holding my hand this whole time. We don't have to say like pray, God, will you please come be here with me? He's already here. When we gather and worship on Sunday, God is the host and we are the guests. So you know, it, like old school thinking, pastors would be like the house of the Lord, like this building, this place, this church. They used to refer to it as the house of the Lord. And of course, in a sense, that's so silly to say this is the house of the Lord. If by saying that we mean like God is here and not out there and sort of like a sick invalid, we need to like come visit God in his house, right? Of course, that would be silly if we're thinking about like the house of the Lord in that sense. But it is true This is the house of the Lord in the sense that God is here. And God is the host of this gathering and this place. And we are the guests. It's not not like we come here in hopes that God shows up. No. God is already here. He hopes we will show up. He's already here. So when we talk about the Lord's house and when we think about like coming into the Lord's house for worship on Sunday, we can actually kind of like walk through these blue doors with some expectancy. God, you're already there. You're already here. And I am expecting to meet you. I want to show up and be there. Help me to show up like fully, freely, expectantly, without distraction When we gather in the Lord's house, we can come to this space and this place. We can come to the table and we can come with laughter and with conversation and with expectancy. Like God is our host here. He's already here. 
and I love being in your house, God. And then when we walk out of the blue doors, it's like this. It's not like God was just here. We look up at the blue sky and we're like, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So hopefully then this place, this particular house of the Lord on the corner of Clarkson and Iowa, hopefully this is like a spiritual gymnasium for our souls where by being in the house of the Lord together, we go out into the earth and we realize the earth is the Lord's. Everything in it, his presence is everywhere. We don't have to ask for it. It's already there. It's already here. So when we talk about God's presence, as if it's something that comes and goes, depending on how intensely we want it, let's just remember that even my desire for God comes from God. Okay, the second thing sometimes we'll, we'll talk about is like, we talk about desiring God as if our desires are already pure, but, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> it's actually entirely possible to desire God for all the wrong reasons. Like, even our desire for God can be self-serving. It's possible to be desiring God so that he might give me what I want. Walter Brueggemann, um, he has this wonderful way of talking about the, the Ten Commandments. And he says the first three of the Ten Commandments... Like when, when it says, you know, you shall have no other gods before me, no graven images, and not take the Lord's name in vain. He says those first three Ten Commandments are basically God saying to the ancients, I am not useful in that way. And we've talked about this before, right? Where, where like you, the ancients had these different gods. So like you make a god of war and you worship the god of war because that god of war will help you win your battles, or you want to procreate and you create the goddess of fertility and you worship the goddess of fertility because you want a family to give you a family. You know, or, or your crops, you, you want to grow your crops and you create the, the god of rain and you worship the god of rain. And, and it's like in, in the, in the um, Ten Commandments, it's like God is saying to the ancient people, you have all these other gods and you shall have no other gods before me because I'm not a god like that. I'm not useful in that way. I'm not, um, I'm not here for you to try to make me be on your side. So when we talk, uh, you know, in other words, it's like God is saying, you didn't make me in your image. I made you in my image. So when we talk about desiring God what we, and, and the presence of God, we have to realize that our desire for God springs up from both um, our created nature and our sinful nature, if you want to say it like that. Like we desire God and we have these idols lodged in our hearts. So, so often it's kind of like this. I want God plus power. I want God plus approval. I want to be in God's presence. I want you, God, plus comfort, plus control. There's this sense in which being human following Jesus is constantly about wanting God and also kind of like being repelled at the same time because, because God is not useful in that way. And I'm coming to him hoping 
that he will give me what I want in that way. It's like the life and teachings of Jesus. We're so enamored. Like, it's amazing to read about the life and teachings of Jesus. I'm just like totally um, compelled, so beautiful. And then Jesus says, love your enemies. I'm, I'm compelled by, I'm drawn to, I find the, the life and teachings of Jesus so beautiful until he says, do good to the people who hurt you or turn the other cheek. So it's like being drawn and then, whoa, right? It's like being drawn and then kind of like almost being repelled. There's this way in which Jesus is drawing us. I mean, you think of the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler is like, Jesus, I want to follow you. Plus, I want wealth. And Jesus is like, go sell everything and then come follow me. And the scriptures say he walks away sad. I want you, Jesus, and I want, and and you're not useful in that way. I'm desiring you, but we can ask ourselves, as we're desiring to be in the presence of God, are my desires being purified in the presence of God? Or am I just desiring to be in the presence of God to try to make God useful to me? Am I trying to find a way to bring God on my side? Remember that time where Joshua is entering the land of Canaan in the Old Testament? He's standing outside the walls of Jericho, and then this angel of the Lord appears, like dressed in you know, armor, and Joshua whips out his sword, and he's like, who are you? Are you, you know, with us or with our enemies? And the angel of the Lord is like, neither. I am with, I'm an angel of the Lord. I'm not on anyone's side. I'm not useful in that way. I'm not here to win anyone's battles. So it's like when we speak about desiring the presence of God, part of my prayer has to be like, God, increase my desire for you and purify it so that I might desire you for you, not just for my own ends. Make my desires holy so that I might want you, I might... I might want you, not just the gifts that you might give. So we could say it like this. We talk about desiring God as if our desires are already pure. Let's remember to ask God to purify my desire so that I might want God for God's self, not my own needs. And then this is the third and last one. We talk about God's presence as if it is something simply to be enjoyed. Now, of course, that's true. The psalmist says, in your presence is fullness of joy. God's presence is absolutely a delight and to be enjoyed. And you could almost say, like, that's a pretty good definition of heaven, to be in the presence of God, enjoying the presence of God. It's like a great definition of heaven. And yet, We're not fully in heaven yet, right? We're living here on earth, so we're still contending with this reality, this now and not yet reality of the kingdom. And we should take joy in the presence of the Lord, and we should know that we're made for that and that heaven will be that and and that we can taste that now, and yet we're also still living on earth, so we're still contending with shame, with evil, with struggle, with Sin, And when we enter God's presence, we're entering a holy place. We're entering a holy space. And God's presence is also a consuming fire. So here's like the main thing. We don't know what's going to happen there. We don't. We don't know what's going to happen there. 
We don't know what kind of light is going to shine on the strongholds, on the idols that are lodged in or still have a grip on our hearts. We don't know what God is going to expose in the way of illusions or delusions or judgments of other people or the ways in which I'm like, I want my life to be this way and God means for me to have something different. We don't know what's going to happen there. To be in the presence sometimes means, in a sense, that our egos are threatened, dethroned. That's not necessarily comfortable, but they're, they're threatened in God's goodness in God's kindness. This is to be like sanctified, transformed in love, made holy. It's to come into the presence of God and, and it's to risk being undone, right? Like Isaiah. He comes into the presence of God and he's like, Whew, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm, I live among a people of unclean lips. He's, he's totally undone in the presence of God. So if we only ever talk about God's presence as delightful, we're kind of missing maybe perhaps the call to holiness, the call to be made like him in his presence. We could say it like this. We talk about God's presence as if it's something simply to be enjoyed. Let's remember that on this side of eternity, we don't know what's going to happen in God's presence, but whatever happens, we can trust it is for our good in becoming more like Christ. Okay, if you just like summarize the whole thing, I'm trying to <laughs> say it's this, like, I think where we kind of go wrong a little bit in talking about the presence of God is that we sometimes act like being in the presence of God is just about me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. Here's the, here's the reality. We are called to be with him in such a way that we become like him. It's not just to be with him. It is to be with him in such a way that we become like him. There are many people who were with Jesus who had no interest in being like him. They were with him as long as he was performing miracles, as long as he was feeding them miraculously. But the moment he is like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. They're like, Poop, peace out. Like I I don't want to be like you. I just want to be with you. Sometimes to be in the presence of God, it is pure delight. It is the joy. And sometimes to be in the presence of, the, of God, is, it's, it's to be totally undone. Here's the thing. Either way, either way, to be in the presence of God is to be changed. Either way, we won't stay the same. Not if we truly are with him. So the ascension of Christ, it's not leading to the absence of Christ. It's leading to Christ's presence everywhere. There is now no place where Christ is not. There's no domain over which Jesus is not Lord, which is why he could say, behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Eternity, eternity is now in session right here. Right now, Christ is the host, we are the guest, and I can participate in that now. Which is why we can say, right, I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. Where do I live? It's not, I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. That kingdom's not in trouble. Neither am I. 
That is where I live and move and have my being. So may we always remember that the point of being in the presence of Christ is to become like Christ in every way. Let's pray together as we close. This morning, let us pray as Jesus taught us to pray. If you know these words, you can speak them aloud or quietly in your heart along with me if you'd like. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you that your ascension is not about your absence, but your ascendancy. That it doesn't lead towards your absence, but towards your presence everywhere. God, would you help us to live in your presence that we might become like you there. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.